You are listening to the REI Mastermind Podcast. Join JD as he chats with industry-leading real estate experts and professionals. We learn from their experience and uncover the strategies to their success that we can implement into our own businesses and we can drive immediate results today. They share their experience and wisdom as we build the foundation to our own success. This is the REI Mastermind Network. Well, we have Stephanie Walter with Airbay Wealth on the call, and we're going to be talking about wealth creation and how to save for your future for the future generations here. I mean, this is going to be a great great conversation. Um, but before we kick things off, I want to send everybody over to your website and anywhere else you'd like to, Stephanie. Uh, the way you spell this now is it's pronounced Airbay, but it's spelled E R B E. W-E-A-T-L-T-H.com. I'll make sure to have those links in the show notes, but is there anybody, any place else that you'd like to send people, Stephanie? Nope. That's, that's the best way to reach me. That's pretty much where all my content is. So uh, I know you have quite a bit of background, not only in, you know, retirement accounts and a few other things, but real estate investing. But with all of that being said, how did you find your way to this uh, type of work? Um, well, I think I, I started like a lot of people in the W2, uh, you know, corporate space and kind of realized after a few years that <laughs> that really wasn't for me. Uh, I was tired of working for people that, you know, thought giving a 2% raise was, was adequate and kind of wanted to stretch my legs a little bit. So I, um, became, I started an insurance agency about 16 years ago. And around that same time, I started investing in single family homes. I, you know, never really had any formal training. I've always loved real estate. It always made sense to me. Um, So I just, you know, was investing in areas where I thought there would be growth over time and, um, Luckily enough, I was correct with with some of those assumptions. But then in about 2016, I I got an invitation to go to uh, like a half a day uh, boot camp, I guess, where they talked about um, investing in apartments. I really didn't know much about it at all. Uh, Got there and was listening to them explain what a syndication was and uh, the you know, the clouds opened up, the sun came through and I felt like, you know, this is it. This is it. This, I just loved, loved the idea of a syndication, which is a group, you know, basically a group of people are purchasing, you know, a piece of property that's bigger than anyone could do on their own. And I just, I love the concept of it. And uh, so I did my first syndication in 2018 and realized from that that I, I just never, ever wanted to do one of these by myself again. Um, just too many moving parts and uh, all that good stuff. And then um, met through, you know, um, a group of, you know, people that were doing the same things. My partner, who really loves to kind of find the deal and has the connections to do so. And from there, I I started working with investors and pulling money into the deals. And um, from that, 
um, experience. I, I've learned so much from these wealthy investors that made me kind of rethink what I had been doing with my money. Um, and so I transitioned a lot of my money in, into ways in which I was watching the wealthy do with their money. And I, as such, I was able to retire from my insurance uh, agency in July of this year and kind of do the uh, capital raising, you know, at, on an as needed basis, I guess. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, one of the you just kind of brought it up. And one of the things that stood out regarding some of the background information that was sent over was that you help professionals unlearn what they know about money. Uh, what are some of those things that people need to unlearn? Well, I mean, I, I think the, the biggest thing that is sort of mindset, but um, to probably the first thing that comes to mind with the wealthy is they view money, uh, they use it. Uh, so uh, as, as far and versus the, all of the regular people who use their money to accumulate. <clears throat> and the difference is, is if we picture a 401k where money is just being set aside for some future date, um, really don't have much control over it, the fees, all of those things. What I found interesting with the wealthy people is they simply don't, largely don't have 401ks. They're constantly using their money and they're using it, you know, sometimes in several places at the same time. But the 401k, I, I did notice that they just were not, when I would go through people's financial statements, very few of them had 401ks and it took a while for me to kind of put it, place it all together. But essentially that, that is it is they look to use their money and not have it tied up to where they can't be knowing exactly how much they're making at any time, as well as um, knowing any kind of tax issues, mitigating tax issues, which I think the 401k besides the fees and the lack of liquidity is nobody really knows how much money they have at the end of the day because we don't know what those future tax rates are going to be. Right. You know, it's kind of interesting. We've kind of been programmed to just set it and forget it when it comes to our retirement account. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we, when you start looking at them a lot closer there, there's a great deal of fees um, that you get charged. And I guess if you want to, uh, go the route of why the why we're doing this is a lot of the the financial people the financial powers that be probably really love that we just stick the money in uh, set it and forget it um, because then we don't have access to uh, make decisions with our own money and uh, I believe that you can make many better decisions than than what that 401k can do for you over time. Sure. So you brought up, you know, one of those options is syndications and getting involved there. But, you know, I, I think this goes back to something that uh, my audience has heard me bring up a, a number of times. Whatever you focus on is what grows. And when you put your money in a 401k or a retirement account, frankly, you know, you're, you're pretty much kind of a wish and a prayer when you, when you send it, you're just hoping that it's going to work out when you need it in the end versus actually, 
making some of those active decisions and focus, providing a little focus and a little energy towards that retirement account, it's probably going to be your best investment you make when it comes to that retirement account. Correct. Yeah. I think it's just um, another thing that the wealthy do that's that's different is, is they invest in people, in ideas, in businesses. And many people think that they're investing in businesses with their 401ks, but you don't know who's running any of those individual companies, largely if you asked anyone, you know, what what it is that is their plan going forward. Um just any of those questions are are things that the average investor would not be able to answer. Whereas a syndication or a real estate purchase, you're going to understand the team that's running the deal. You're going to understand what, what their philosophy is and what kind of strategy they have to make this investment. Really, a syndication is just a it really is just a business. You're, it is a piece of real estate, but it's being run like a business. And those are the things that you see the invest or the wealthy doing over and over again. Another thing that they look at differently, I think, than most people is that they're very concerned with cash flow. And that's another area where the 401k kind of lacks and that you're not getting any cash flow. Um, if you ask a wealthy person whether they think, uh, Cash flow is more important or net worth. They're going to say cash flow all day long. I, and I can, I'm a pretty good example of that as I had invested in a lot of single family homes, had a great deal of net worth on paper, but had very little cash flow and probably wouldn't have had the cash flow to retire until those properties had been paid off 20, you know, uh, probably 20 years in the future. And so cash flow is things, something that most people don't think about as an investment, but by having cash flow, it gives you a lot more freedom to, you know, somewhat retire or change careers and do something that you really enjoy doing. Well, can you talk a little bit about how your uh, syndications then can, can help regarding cash flow? Is that a, a piece of it? Yeah. So, you know, real estate syndications, they're structured where, you know, we purchase a property, we do a great deal of vetting to get those properties under contract. In fact, we are so, you know, strict with what we require out of these properties that we probably only close two a year. And from those, we, uh, from closing, we stabilize the property, which takes, oh, you know, probably around three to four months. And then after that, every month, the investor is sent a check or an ACH to their account of between seven and 8% of their investment. And that's paid to them all the way through the, through the investment. We invest mostly in multifamily properties that have that cash flow. But we, at the end, we hold the or the money is in the project for three years Roughly, that's uh, and then when we cash out of it, we, you know, we have lots of different properties, but we always look to give our investors at least a twenty percent return, annualized return on their money. So that's uh, year over year, or is that for the total of the three years that they have invested? That's annualized year over year. Sure. Okay. Well, that sounds really interesting. Can you give us an example? Like, 
Uh, what project are you working on right now? What are you trying to take down? Well, we have one. Um, it's in Cape Summit or Cape Coral, Florida. It's called Cape Summit. And we were able, this one's an interesting one because it's not like your typical uh, cookie, cookie cutter one that we come across. This one, actually, we were able to purchase off market from the developer <clears throat> who basically had made his money and didn't want to, you know, mess around with waiting for certificates of occupancy or anything like that. Just wanted to close and move on to his next deal. So we are acquiring this property at the end of September and is, is when this one will probably be closing and we'll get the certificates of occupancy at closing. And we've marketed this property to be fully occupied when we close. And so we were able to buy this one at a discount, a significant discount. And so we're looking to on this property, uh, return a 23% return to our investors. And we're planning to hold it for three years. Mm -hmm. You know, you're the first person that has come on as a syndicator who's so free with the, with what you expect a percentage wise when it comes <laughs> to the, to the returns. Well, <clears throat> that I don't know. There could be a couple reasons for that. One, we've, you know, we're on our seventh deal, my partner and I together right now. And we started out doing 506Bs, which means that you can work with unaccredited investors, but you have to be a lot, uh, you can't broadcast what, what you're expecting to make for your investors. So what we do is we do all of our investor investments as 506Cs which means we work with accredited investors only. That just means that you can either qualify based on your income or you qualify based on your net worth. Um, but essentially, when it is a 506C, you can broadcast um, you know, your returns. And for us, it's our seventh deal. And every single deal we've done has given our investors returns over 20%. And that's sort of our goal, you know, going forward is, is we want to have over 20% returns. Sure. No, it, it's just kind of refreshing. So, you know, we should clarify that. Can you talk to what, what it takes to become that accredited investor? I know you talk about the income and your net worth, but what are those type of details? Yeah. So the, to be an accredited investor, it just means that if you're single, you have an income of 200000 If you're married, you have an income of 300000 uh, If you don't qualify that way, if you have a net worth, which excludes your primary residence of a million dollars. Um, there's actually another one that people don't talk about a lot. Um, but if you have certain financial series, like your series six or 63, you can qualify without actually being accredited. Sure. So like, you know, when you get accredited, it sounds like some sort of diploma. Do you, do you have to go through some <laughs> accreditation process? No, no. But if you do, you know, participate in one of our deals, we ask, are you accredited this way or that way? If you're accredited by, you know, uh, and then you just send over kind of your proof that you're accredited and sure. um, it's pretty easy. 
So you mentioned, you know, once you get these properties, uh, you you get them stabilized. What are the things that you typically have found that you have to do in order to stabilize these properties? Um, I think it's more for us is just getting our um, like kind of arms around what we're working with. Like when I was talking about this Cape Summit property, there really isn't much to to get our arms around other than you know getting it up to full up to full occupancy. But we have taken over ones that are um, need possibly need renovations, um, uh, things like that. So it usually takes us a couple months to kind of see. You know, we want to keep our our vacancies very low. We want to be sure that you know we've there aren't any out of pocket expenses that might come our way that we're not prepared for. So for us, it's more like that we're putting a little money aside in case like a surprise comes up. With the Cape Cape Summit property, it's brand new. So I mean, literally brand new. So I don't expect that we have any money to put into that. So it's more for us to, you know, just get our feet on the ground and be sure we're fully understanding everything before and have a little extra money into the bank um, before we uh, start distributing the returns to our clients. Yeah. So, you know, you uh, talk about, it sounds like you're, you're buying these properties throughout all over the country or are you focused on certain areas? Yeah. Well, we, when we first started, we, we did, I, I, did my first one in Colorado. That's where I'm from. And then we had another one we did in Texas that was brought to us off market, but largely for my partner and I, we do everything in Florida. And so we do it in Florida because my partner has 35 years of being a broker, a commercial broker in Florida. And so he's, he just really has the connections, which I, I honestly believe you really need to give give your investors a good return um, because things that just come up, come on the market, you know, if um, you're probably not going to get that great of a deal. And our philosophy is we really want to make the money for our investors on the buy. We don't want to buy and then hope that we'll be able to, you know, increase the value. We really want to, you know, make the deal on our buy. And in order to do that, you really have to have some solid relationships with um, people that can bring you off market deals. And um, even with that, we look at, you know, hundreds of deals before we find one that'll make sense. Yeah, I was going to just, that does lead me into my next question. You mentioned you, you tackle about two opportunities a year, uh, how many deals do you actually have to look at in order to yeah. to find those two that meet you meet the mustard? Yeah. But before yeah. you answer that, yeah, I want to remind everybody to head over to your website, airbaywealth.com, and I'm going to make sure to have that links in the show notes. But I think you're you're pretty active on LinkedIn as well. Is that yeah. a good place yes, to send, I find do you? Have LinkedIn. I have a profile on LinkedIn as well. I'm trying to get a little bit more active on there. <laughs> now, that's a great place to connect with people these days. It so. is, definitely. Um, but yeah, no, hundreds, hundreds of deals, literally. Like um, we have a whole uh, group of people that just do the underwriting, um, you know, on deals and, uh, you know, just go through what we're looking for. And then maybe it, we, get, we do find something that may work, but then you look a little bit closer and they're just uh, commercial real estate is one of those 
things where there can be, you know, you just kind of have to be a detective. It's not like uh, residential real estate where they have to disclose everything to you. Mm-hmm. Commercial real estate is um, a little more sneaky. So you have to be sure that you do your complete due diligence. So there might be four properties we put under contract, but then maybe we exit out of a couple properties once we've gone in and, and done our due diligence. So um, it really is a long process. So I hear some people are like, well, why don't I just create my own syndication? Um, it's for that very reason, to, because it really takes a, a long time and uh, very specific knowledge to find a deal that's going to make sense. Well, you know, there's always some low-hanging fruit there, though. Is there is there specific things that you check off the box, like right off, you d- d- determine whether it's a good fit or not? Yeah, I mean, for us, I think we want it to be in Florida because we have lots of boots on the ground there. Um, we've we've been able to kind of acquire a few markets in Florida where now we sort of they know us a little bit and what we've been able to do. So we're approached a lot more with um, you know different investment opportunities. But yeah, we largely we're largely looking in Florida. Sure. Well, you know, this is this is always such an interesting topic. You know, what what was let, let me back up on something there. You mentioned earlier that you work with accredited investors now and you kind of made that transition. What caused that big transition to move to accredited investors? Well, I mean, I think at the end of the day when you work with the non-accredited investors, you know, they're just probably not quite as savvy. Um, as to how, you know, things work. And also, um, there's just a lot more reporting that's required in a 506B than a 506C. A 506C, um, we, we get syndication attorneys. So attorneys that are SEC, we're all, you know, we have to follow all of everything that we do. Um, and I just, you know, that for us, that's where most, uh, you know, investments are put into the 506C category. Sure. Now that you've been doing this for a few years uh, under this syndication, how many uh, doors are you currently managing and, and own? We have about 300. So we haven't like, but we have, it's about, uh, I think after we close on, on this one, it'll be almost it'll be a little over $50 million. Um, so we, uh, I really liked like how my partner and I kind of wanted to grow kind of very organically in this business. You see a lot of people that jump into like two or 300 units, you know, for one of their first deals. But for us, it was just really important for us to just grow at a natural pace. And so for us, that meant, we started around low, you know, 20 to 50 units and then 50 to about 70. And now um, we recently got one under contract. We're still in the very early stages of it, but that's 160 units. Mm-hmm. But um, for us, I, it's just really both of us are very, very concerned about doing what we say we're going to do. I think it probably comes from our backgrounds. I was in insurance. So you have clients you want to be accountable to. And then my my partner was uh, in a commercial broker. So 
like our clients are everything, our investors are everything to us. And we want to, you know, do what we say we're going to do. We've seen a lot of people that jump into these bigger deals and they just, you know, they, they don't know what they're doing and they go, they go a bit sideways. You talk to certain investors who were expecting to get regular distributions and haven't gotten a distribution in a year or two. And for us, that was just, we never wanted to like get huge. We just wanted to do the right things and felt that that would lead us into, you know, getting bigger over time, which, which seems to be what's happening. So that's a good thing. Yeah, well, it really allows you to take a moment and, and flush out your processes and stuff too, to fill those gaps. And when you're ready to take on those bigger deals, I mean, it 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 helps with the scaling. Correct. And also, I think both of us, it was important that we, we know we like each other. We know we work well together. Um, and when you get into some of these larger deals, you have to bring a lot more people in. You might even have to bring in family office money to help you close on the deals. Um, so there's just a lot more cooks in the kitchen, I guess. And for us, we just, we like our systems and we like creating, I guess it's like a small business and uh, we're creating these systems as we go. And we like, you know, having our accredited investors invest in, um, you know, not taking these great big family office contributions because they tend to want to run the deal. And we feel we're best at doing that. And that's sort of what's led us to grow, you know, slowly and steady. Sure. You know, I have to go back a little bit here. You, you know, you've been in the insurance game for 16 years there had to have been a pretty significant mindset shift to make you motivated to make that type of change. What what exactly happened there to, to make you decide to take the jump? Well, I mean, I think over time, I, what I loved about insurance was the clients, obviously. But what I didn't love is having this big corporation kind of do things that maybe I didn't always agree with. Mm-hmm. And as time went on, those those things were more pronounced, I guess. And so what I loved about real estate and and doing things this way was that these were my deals. Um, You know, this was how we saw things going and we were making our investors happy at the end of the day. There wasn't going to be some big corporate person come in and say, well, we've decided to cut 20% off of their returns or we've decided to you know, come up with this fee now and we're going to be taking, you know, $100 of, of your investors' money away. Uh, so for me, that that's, uh, I felt like it was really, I felt very free leaving the insurance. I'd always been an independent. Um, I work for Farmers Insurance, but uh, they consider us independent contractors, but yet um, all the rules came from the big corporation. And so it was really attractive to actually create your vision of, of what you want to create for your investors and then not have someone come in and, and alter that. So did you have to, did you sit down and essentially make a pros and cons list and decided to make the, the change? 
Uh, I don't, I kind of probably in my head, but I think once I learned about a syndication and how that worked for me, I, I was sold on the, on the proposition. So it was just a matter for me of getting my income, my passive income to replace my business income. And once I'd done that, I was, I was ready to, to give them my notice. Sure. So when you when you decided to do this, how long did it take you to uh, get your first property under the syndication? How long did it take you to get that one first one under contract and then eventually close? I had uh, I started in 2016, so you kind of do like a deep dive at that time because it's not like single families. I I joined a, a group called RE Mentor for my education. And that really, I tell people, is like getting a master's in real estate syndication because there's just so much to learn. And then I did have offers out and, you know, have ones that went under contract. But the first one that closed was in 2018. So it took two years before the first one closed. Uh, I mean, and uh, you're doing a lot of education along the way. And then after that, it's just... From 2018 to 2021, we'll be on our eighth. Uh, I did one by myself, and then I've done seven with my partner. So um, I'll be on my eighth syndication um, this year. <laughs> well, that's awesome. So one again, once again, head over to airbaywealth.com, and it's spelled E-R-B-E wealth.com. I'll make sure to have those links in the show notes, but before... I really appreciate your time, but before I let you go here today, is there a question you wished I would have asked you? Oh, that's a good one. Um, goodness, um, we covered a lot about the about the wealthy. I think uh, okay, uh, a good question is uh, I think a lot of people think uh, another myth about what um, the wealthy people think. Uh, or people think about the wealthy investor is that the reason that they got wealthy is because they invested in really high risk opportunities and, and that's why they got wealthy. And I think that from, you know, working with the wealthy people that I have, that nothing could be further from the truth that they like to just vet and, and be very, uh, you know, conscious about what they're investing in. And actually these syndications, if you look at them historically, they're, um, they provide the best return with the lowest amount of risk as almost anything out there. That's why, you know, big banks, insurance companies, and pension funds invest in, in some of these larger syndications because the money is, is, uh, it's a, it's a lower risk opportunity. Sure. No, that was a great way to end this. Uh, this that, that's a great myth to, to bust. I really appreciate your time. Uh, this has been a great conversation. I hope you'll come back again sometime. Yes. And uh, I'll make sure to have those links in the show notes. Uh, please reach out and especially head over to uh, the website, airbaywealth.com, because I think there's quite a bit of resources and content there. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. Well, I appreciate it. And you're welcome back anytime. So it was great chatting with you. Great to chat with you. This has been the REI Mastermind Network. You can already tell that we've made some changes and a few more are on the way. If you are interested in what we have planned, 
head over to patreon.com slash REI Mastermind and support the show today. Financial contributions are always appreciated, along with a like, share, and review. It really helps us grow and reach more people with this valuable information. See you next time, and tell a friend.